three. You all noticed I'm not Pastor Yoder, so if you're expecting his kind of thorough, detailed, exciting messages, you're, you're out of luck today. You just got to put up with me. We were taught in seminary to be, uh, well, not really seminary. Well, it was kind of seminary, I guess. But uh, one of the professors said, as a preacher, you need to always be ready to preach, pray, or die at any moment. Okay? And uh, right now I'm hoping that I would die, and that way I wanted to do this. But uh, it's true. You know, if I'm going to preach that, i got to live that. And a pastor called this morning, or he texted me this morning, he says, my voice is shot, can you help out? So I said, uh, sure. And I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but after preaching several years, I, I do have three or four messages that I think need to be preached every year, over and over again. One in James on prayer. I decided against that. And then the one message I have on why I personally love the Word of God and I decided not to preach that. And then I can always preach on Psalm 119, which is my favorite psalm. So I asked Micah, the man of great wisdom this morning, which message should I preach? And he told me to preach this one. Okay? So today's message is the one you're going to get. And it's, it's really how to share Christ with somebody else. Because a lot of people want to do that, but a lot of people don't know how to do that. And that's what I want to share with you this morning, okay? In John chapter 3, uh, I want to just start by reading three or four verses here towards the end of John 3. I'm starting verse 33. He that hath received his testimony, that's the testimony of Christ, hath set to his seal that God is true. What a statement. God is is true never lies verse 34 for he whom god has sent speaketh the words of god for god giveth not the spirit by measure unto him now look at verses 35 and 36 especially the father loveth the son that's jesus and hath given all things into his hand in revelation we read that the Lord even has the keys to heaven and hell. All those things are in the hand of Jesus. That's why we need Him. And that's why your neighbors and friends and coworkers and classmates need Him. Because without Him, you're in trouble. Look at verse 36. He that believeth on the Son, that's Jesus Christ. That's not Joseph Smith. That's not Helen G. White. That's not, uh, that's not even John the Baptist. It's Jesus. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son, all the cults, all the false religions that deny that Jesus Christ is the Son are in trouble. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. Look at the last part of the verse. But the wrath of God abideth on him. And there's a lot of people that are going to end up in hell because they don't connect with the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So just how do we, how do we share that with those around us? Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Help this old preacher as I share to say the right things, the helpful things. Help me to share your word in such a way that others can pass it along 
They can pass the baton of truth to their neighbors and friends and coworkers and classmates that really don't know you. And Lord, there's a lot of people in our country that play church. And they come on Sunday, on Easter and Christmas, and the rest of the year they stay home. And Lord, they really need the Son desperately. They really need to be born again the Bible way. They really need to be saved. And the fruit of their life is evidence that they're not saved. And so, Lord, help us this morning to learn how to share the testimony of Jesus Christ with those around us. We'll trust you for the help. This preacher will trust you for the help you give. We'll trust that the Holy Spirit can speak to my heart, that they in turn might learn from your spirit in their hearts. And we trust this morning when church is over, they'll be glad that they had spent time in your house with your people learning your word and singing your praises. Be with our pastor as you give him strength for his voice so he can get back to preaching and doing his regular duties and be with his family as well in a special way. Bless our time together as only you can. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. (coughs) You know, pastor's talking about losing his voice. About half the people in this room kind of know a little bit of our testimony. The other half of you probably don't. Uh, I was raised in a family of 11 kids. I'm in the middle of 11. I have five older Five brothers and five sisters, five older than me and five younger than me. Uh, I was drafted out of high school in the Army, spent two years overseas. I learned how to drink and how to swear and how to, how to uh, get in and out of a fight. I've been in four fights in my life. I lost two and I won two. And don't ask me if I want another one because I do not want another one. I don't want to repeat what I lost. But anyway, as a high school teacher... Up on the Iron Range at age 30, I realized that uh, I, I couldn't get over alcohol and I couldn't get over anger and I couldn't get over humanism on my own. So at age 30, I asked Jesus to save me, make it real. I said, I don't want to be a, a nobody, nothing, do nothing kind of Christian. I mean, if you're going to save me, make it worthwhile and make, make a huge difference. And that was my prayer. Uh, And he answered that prayer and saved me back in 1978, shortly after, um, because I had calmed down considerably. My wife met with the pastor's wife, and she trusted the Lord. And in the summer of 1978, we were both baptized in in, uh, Bass Lake in northern Minnesota. And uh, after we were baptized and joined the church, we had some struggles. Uh, My wife, Lynn, was delivering our third child. And uh, after the delivery, they found out that she was having seizures, grand mal seizures. And so they took her to Duluth, Minnesota. How many know where Duluth is? Raise your hand. Okay. We spent six months in Duluth. We are part owners of St. Mary's in Duluth, three months. And we are part owners of Miller Dwan in Duluth, three months. And then after six months, we got out and uh, we... Started working in a Christian school. And then after a while in a Christian school, I went to missionary training school. After missionary training school, I enrolled, enrolled at Northland Bible College in Wisconsin, and that's where I got my postgraduate degree. And um, since 1985, I've been pastoring churches. And now I'm, I'm almost 85, and uh, I'm still pastoring when I have opportunity to preach. But uh, because you get older, you get slippage and you get tired and you don't have energy. And so you have to slow down. And that's I'm in the slowing down phase right now in my life. But I can I can say this with all honesty. 
If the Lord hadn't saved me in 1978, I would either be in a cemetery pushing up daisies without Christ, or I'd be in a, a sane, insane asylum someplace trying to get my head back on right. It's only by God's grace that I was able to make it through all those difficult things. And it's only by God's grace I'm still here today. And I appreciate His grace and mercy so much. And my love for sharing the gospel with others came as a result of uh, a prayer request that I made. That It was my birthday, uh, my 30th birthday. And I said, Lord, it's my birthday. Tickle me with a good birthday present. And uh, what he did was he had one of my friends who had graduated from Bob Jones University called me up and he said, let's go soul winning. And I said, soul winning? What in the world is soul winning? What is that? He said, well, just come along. You'll find out. So I said, okay. So I met with him up in Black Duck, Minnesota. Where in the world is Black Duck? Have you seen the bumper sticker? Okay. It doesn't say where in the world is Black Duck. It says where in the blank is Black Duck. Okay. That's what it says. But uh, we went up to Black Duck, and he had a little red Volkswagen. And we got in the car, and we went out in the country. And then he stops in the middle of the country. And he says, i tell you what we're going to do. See those two farmhouses over there? We're going to go over there and share the gospel. I said, really? And he said, we're going to pray first. Now, here I am in a Volkswagen with a guy that's almost a stranger in the middle of a road way out in the country by Black Duck, and he wants to pray. So I said, okay. Well, he prayed with his eyes closed. I kept one eye open because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. But uh, he prayed that the Spirit would lead as we witnessed to those two families. We went to the first house. There was a young lady with a couple little kids. And uh, my job was to babysit the kids and keep them entertained while he preached. And he shared the gospel with this young lady. And uh, he, he said, I have two questions for you, ma'am. Would you like to come to our church? And she said, probably not. And he said, if you were to die, would you go to heaven? And she said, probably not. And he said, can I tell you how to get to heaven? And uh, while he was preaching to her, I was really listening. I was listening to everything he said and everything he shared. And that little girl bowed her head and prayed and asked Jesus to save her. And when we left the house, I said, man, that was neat. Does that happen every time? He said, no, no. A lot of times it doesn't happen. A lot of times people just send you down the road, send you home. So we went to the second house. And I'll never forget, we got to the second house, and there was a, a large, burly, black duck kind of lady that looked like a lumberjack, a lady lumberjack, Okay. She weighed probably in the 200 to 300-pound range, and she had an axe in her hand, and she was splitting firewood. And I told Wyatt, that was the pastor I was with, I said, Wyatt, I said, don't ask her if she was to die, if she go to heaven, because she'll, <laughs> she'll probably turn on you. And uh, sure enough, he goes up there, and he says, ma'am, can we talk for a while? And she says, sure. She puts her axe down, thankfully, and, and we rolled up a couple old sod logs and sat on those logs, and he looks at her and he says, would you like to come to our church sometime? And she said, well, where is it? So he described where it was. And then he said, but more importantly, if you were to die today, uh, do you know that you go to heaven? And she said this. She said, uh, I'll probably go to hell. And pastor said, really? He said, well, most people don't say that. Why do you think you, you'll go to hell? And this is what she said. And I, I'm, this is the honest truth. She said, uh, I'm a barmaid at the 
uh, I think it was the Legion or the VFW in Black Duck. And she said, last night I was serving drinks to my customers, and uh, there was a lady at one of the tables that was, that was flirting with my husband. And uh, I said, uh-oh, what did she do to her husband? She said, and I had to straighten her out. He said, and it turns out she was a waitress also, the one flirting with her man. And she said, I waited until that lady, another barmaid, got a whole round tray full of drinks. And when she walked by me, I stuck up my foot and tripped her. And, he, and she said, I know God's going to send me to hell for that, for tripping one of her friends with a whole tray full of drinks. And uh, I thought, oh, man, well, Wyatt said, well, God doesn't send people to hell because they trip others. God sends people to hell because they don't trust Christ as their Savior. And he went on to share the gospel with her as we sat outside on these logs. And after 10 or 15 minutes with, with tears running down her eyes, she prayed and asked Jesus to save her. And when we left, she said, I'll try to be in church on Sunday. And... Uh, that was God's birthday present to me because I had never seen that happen before. I had no idea what soul winning was. I had no idea what witnessing was all about. And so what he shared with those two ladies is what I'd like to share with you so that you can share it with them. Are we okay with that class? Amen? Would you like that? Now, if you don't want to do that, the food, some of the food is ready out there. Now, the celery and the crackers, you know, if you really don't want to listen, you can go out there and have an early brunch. But I'll try to get through it quickly. And uh, I would rather share the gospel with a lost person than anything else that I do. Especially a lost person that's hungry and wants to know Jesus. And so what I do in the morning is I get up and I pray and I say, Okay, Lord, let me talk to somebody who's hungry for the gospel. And then I just go about my business. And uh, sooner or later, he sends me somebody that's hungry, and I get to share this message. So that's what I want to do with you tonight, or this morning, I should say. Hopefully, I'll be done by nightfall, so it won't be tonight. <coughs> I already read John 3, verses 35 and 36. What I do is I ask people when I get to their homes if they have a Bible. They will listen and read the Bible that they got from their grandma, more than they will read mine. So whatever Bible they bring us, almost all of them have this verse in it. I say, turn to 1 Corinthians 2.14. So this is where I start. If you want to write down the verse references, you can check them out later. But uh, these are worth looking at. I don't have that many. And I hope they're helpful to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. I usually ask the individual, can you read? Are you a good reader? Uh, nine out of ten people say, yes, I can read. But occasionally you'll get somebody who doesn't want to read, and occasionally you'll get a man or a lady that doesn't even know how to read. They're illiterate. So you have to read it for them. So as they read this verse, I ask them to tell me what it says. Let's look at the verse. 1 Corinthians 2.14. It says, the natural man, that's the regular dude, okay? The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, they don't listen to the Holy Spirit. For they, that's the, uh, the things of God, for these things are foolishness unto him or her. It says, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 
They're shortchanged. They don't have the Spirit of God living in them. That's why they don't listen to the things of the Spirit. That's why they don't go to church regularly. That's why they don't read their Bibles. That's why they don't pray regularly. That's why they don't have love in their heart. They're lost. They're spiritually discerned. They don't have what it takes to understand God, to understand the Bible. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is the second verse I give them. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 3. And again, I'd like to have them read it because it's the Word of God that speaks to the heart of the lost individual. It's not my opinion. So try to get them to read the verse and then have them explain it to you. How would you explain this verse? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 3. If our gospel, and you all know what the gospel is, that's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ to save our wretched souls. If our gospel be hid, it's in hiding, it is hid to them that are, what's the last word? Lost. So I tell them, look, there's only two kinds of people on the planet, saved people and lost people. If you're saved, then you understand, then you understand the things of the Spirit of God. If you're lost, you don't understand it. Simple. And so you, instead of making them feel guilty, when you tell a person that they're lost, especially a religious person, they get mad and they shut you off. So I just let them read it. I just say, I, what my goal as a preacher is to help you find the difference between being lost and being saved. The gospel is hidden to people that are lost. So you got something's got to happen. And then I say, well, what, do you, what, what happens? How do you get unlost? And so I take them to John 3. So go to John 3. I don't know if this got on the board behind us or not. Well, didn't. But this very much lines up with the heart for the harvest. If you've got a heart for the harvest, you're going to have a heart for lost people. And you're going to want to share the love of Christ with them. Uh, pray, therefore, the Lord of harvest that he shall send forth laborers. Um, in John chapter 3, we have a great example of a lost man getting saved. Great example. There's others. There's the Ethiopian eunuch. There's Lydia. There's the Philippian jailer. There's others in the New Testament that you could take them to. But in John chapter 3, this is very interesting to me. So give them, exa give them an, an example of a religious person who's lost. And here it is in John chapter 3. Now, most of you know this verse, so I'll read it quickly. There was a man of the Pharisees, which means he was no dummy. His name was Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. Now, you can't be a young person and be a ruler of the Jews. This guy is probably 50, 60 years old. Who knows? Anyway, he's the head of his people. He's, he's a ruler of the Jews, so he's no slouch. The same, that's Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi. He didn't call him Lord. He called him Rabbi. Rabbi is a sophisticated name for professor. Instead of calling him by his professorship, he, he says, We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus had showed up and had been performing all these miracles, and this man Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, him and his buddy said, who, who is this guy? Who is this man that showed up in town and is doing all these miracles? And so Nicodemus says, I'll go find out. So here he is with Jesus having a conversation. Verse number three, Jesus, being all-knowing, knows what he's thinking. So Jesus tells him the first time that you've got to have two birthdays. Look at verse three. Jesus answered and said unto him, he's talking to Nicodemus, 
Verily, verily, which means newsflash, pay attention, this is important. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. How many times is that? Is that one birthday or two? That's two birthdays. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And I tell people, look, you can't see and understand God without being born again. The Bible is nothing more than a phone book to you if you're lost. It's just a list of names and addresses and places. But if you get saved and the Spirit of God moves in, now you can read the Bible and it really, really makes sense because the Holy Spirit is teaching you God's Word. You need to be born again. Nicodemus is a little confused. So he says in verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, he's talking to Jesus, how can a man be born when he's old? Now, that should make us laugh, but it's really kind of a negative. What are you talking about? <laughs> How can I be born when I'm old? I'm already here. And by the way, when he says old, that implies that he's probably an old timer. Okay? Maybe he was a prime timer. Anyway, he says, can a man who's old, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And here again, it mentions a second birth, a second time into his mother's womb and be born. I usually tell them that all cats, all dogs, all cows are mammals. And those mammals are encased in a water sack. And humans are the same way. And when the water bag breaks, which is usually 2 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night, when the water bag breaks, that's an indication that you got to get mom to the hospital so she can deliver that baby. And uh, Nicodemus was wondering how this can happen a second time to an adult Pharisee, to an adult man. Jesus gives him an answer in verse 5. Verily, verily, listen up, this is important. I say unto thee, except a man be born of water. And by the way, I was raised in another church that taught that this was infant baptism. This is not infant baptism. If a, except a man be born of water, that's that water sack that we're encased in that breaks before we're delivered and enter the human race. It's water birth. It's mammal birth. Except a man be born once, of water, and the verse goes on and says, and of the Spirit. How many birthdays is that? That's two. If it doesn't happen twice, the last part of the verse says, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So now, Jesus has told Nicodemus twice, Nick, as smart as you are, as old as you are, as wise as you are, you need to be born twice. I told you that two times. He tells him again in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. I tell the person I'm visiting, I say, hey, look, 75 years ago, I was born of the flesh. 75 years ago, Mom Forsberg and Dad Forsberg decided to get pregnant, and I showed up as baby Forsberg. That was my fleshly birthday. And that which is born of the Spirit, you see the end of verse 6? There's a capital S on Spirit. That's a Holy Spirit birth. And that Holy Spirit has to connect with your human spirit. That's why there's no capital S on the second spirit. Our human spirit has to say yes to the Holy Spirit. If our human spirit doesn't say yes to the Holy Spirit and agree that God's Word is right and God's Word is truth, then we've never been born again. But when our Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit agrees with our human spirit and we say, you're right, I need to be born again, now we can, now we can get someplace. So there's a mention of two birthdays in verse 3, in verse 5, and in verse 6, and we see it again in verse 7. Marvel not that I said unto thee, 
you must be born again. I usually ask the person, say, okay, now tell me something, young lady or young man. If Jesus came to your house today and he was sitting right here where I'm sitting, if Jesus told you not once, not twice, not three times, but four times, young lady, you need to be born again, would you believe him? And almost invariably they say, of course, I would believe him. So then I say, what's to keep you from believing him now? What's to keep you from trusting him now? What's to keep you from being born again? And a lot of times they'll say, well, okay, I understand I need to be born again. How do I do that? I say, well, that's a good question. Let's wrap this up. So I take them down the Romans road. Now the Romans road, about half of you are familiar with it. The other half probably aren't. The Romans road is a, a list of verses that tell you how to get to heaven. But it's not the only road that'll tell you how to get to heaven. There's the Psalm path. There's the Isaiah aisle. There's the Philippian path. There's the Revelation road. They're, they're all throughout the Bible, there's, there's clues as to how to trust Christ. You don't have to use the Romans road, but the Romans road is common and it's easy to memorize and it's easy to share. So I share with them some verses out of the Romans road. Let me give them to you quickly. I say, well, there's four things you need to become a Christian. Four things need to happen. I tell them I've got three daughters that are alive, and we've got one daughter in heaven. Rebecca, Renee, Rachel, and Rhea's in heaven. Four daughters. And I said, they all start with the letter R. R, 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 R. Okay? And that helps me remember this, this principle of four things you need to know to get to heaven. Now, there's probably other tracks and other books written that talk about things to know to get to heaven, but these are the ones I use, okay? This is, this is Forsberg's system. It's not the only system, but it's the system that I use. And the first thing I tell them is they've got to realize they're lost. So I send them over to Romans. Look at Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. Romans chapter 3. Now, many of you have these memorized, but I'm, I'm giving you a refresher course. If you're still awake, say amen. If you're hungry, say amen. <laughs> I hope that's a hunger for God's word, okay? Look at uh, Revelation 3.10. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. So here I am sitting next to Susie or next to, next to Johnny, and I say, Johnny, are you righteous? Nope. According to that verse, there's none righteous, no, not run, no, not one. I say, how about, uh, how about your wife? Is she, is she righteous? Nope, she's not righteous. How about your pastor? Is he righteous? Nope. How about the president? Is he righteous? Nope. Now you got to be careful because sometimes I ask them, how about Mary? Is Mary righteous? And if they're a good Catholic, they'll say, hmm. Well, I say, what does the Bible verse say? There's none righteous, no, not one. I said, you're not righteous, I'm not righteous. Mary's not righteous. John the Baptist is not righteous. There's none righteous, no, not one. We've got to realize we're lost. You know, I use this illustration, and I find it's been very helpful if you go to the Holiday Inn and rent the swimming pool so a bunch of kids can swim and they're having a birthday party, which one of those kids is going to yell for the lifeguard? The one that's drowning. And the other kids are just going to splash water and play games. And, and you and I need to realize that we're drowning in sin so we can call on the lifeguard Jesus to save us. Unless a person realizes they're lost, they'll never say, Help! I need to be saved! And that's true with little kids drowning, and that's true with 
everybody who doesn't know Christ, they're drowning in sin. And sometimes they know it and sometimes they don't know it. But the one that needs the lifeguard is the one that's saying, help me, I need to be saved. Look at verse number 23. Same chapter, Romans 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Hey, George, have you sinned? According to that verse, yep. How about me? I'm a preacher. Have I sinned? Yep. How about the Pope? Yep. Mary? Yep. Unless it's a good Catholic. <laughs> then they hesitate a little bit. The verse says, all have sinned. And because of sin, we fall short of the glory of God. And part of God's glory is His book. Part of God's glory is heaven. Part of God's glory is having the Holy Spirit within us. And because we've all fallen into sin, we can't enjoy that. We can't experience that. We can't have the thrill of the new birth because sin is in the way. We come short of the glory of God. That's why there's a lot of people that are religious, but they fall short of the glory of God because they're religious and not yet saved. And they need to be saved. They need to be born again. And... Um, there are people out there that will tell you the born-again principle is her heretic. It's, it's heretical. It's heresy. You just tell them, no, it's not. God is true. Let every man be a liar. God's true. His word is truth. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth. He says in John 3, four times, you need two birthdays. Don't let them tell you that this is heresy. This is God's word. This is the gospel. So they've got to realize their lost condition. That's the first R. Second thing they've got to realize is that God loves them. So I give them Romans 5. Here again, I try to get them to read them if they will. Sometimes they won't, so I read it for them. But if you look at Romans 5, verse 8. But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even though we all fall short of heaven, we all fall short of the glory of God, and we're all sinners, God commends His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And He died for us because He loves us. You know, when you're talking to inmates in the county jail, these tough guys, you know, that are macho, macho, tough, tough. I ask them the question, who loves you? Nobody loves me. I'm a bad guy. That's why I'm in jail. Well, somebody must love you. Does your boyfriend love you? No, nah, he gave up on me. How about your girlfriend? No, she gave up on me. How about your employer? Does he love you? No, he don't love me. He fired me. How about your dad? Does he love you? No, he thinks it's terrible that I'm in jail. Then I'll say, well, how about your mother? Does she love you? Yeah, my mother still loves me. <laughs> Invariably, that's what they'll say. And then I'll say, you know something? As much as your mother loves you, Jesus loves you more. Jesus loves you. And if you were the only person on planet Earth, he would have come to heaven, he would have come from heaven to Earth just to save just you. That's how much he loves you. You are so special to him. Look at verse 12. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. Most people know enough about God's word to know that that was Adam. And because of Adam's sin, death happened. And death by sin. That's why sometimes the preacher's wife dies because of sin. She doesn't die because she was rebellious. or has, She died because of sin. Sin kills. And ultimately, everything goes back to sin. Sin kills. Death passed by sin. One of the saddest things I've ever experienced is to watch a little, little five-year-old girl die in front of my eyes. 
Boy, did I have questions for God. I said, God, why'd you do that? This little girl didn't hurt anybody. She doesn't drink, swear, or she doesn't smoke cigarettes. She, she's not. She's just a perfect little girl. Why did she have to die? And the Lord reminded me of Romans 5.12. Sin caused that. Because little girls and little babies get cancer, and sometimes they don't make it. Sometimes they die. That's all because of sin. That's corrupted our world and brought upon, brought upon death upon all of us. And so death passed upon all men. It's a point on demand for once to die. We're all going to die. I usually ask the person, are you going to die? Yep. Am I going to die? Yep. How about that person? Yep. How about your son? Yep. How about your daughter? Yep. We're all going to die. So we got to deal with that. We've got we to come up with a solution. And you can. there's so much more in this passage in Romans. You could preach the whole Romans road here right in chapter 5. But I don't want to overload them with too many verses because then they go away confused. So I, I try to give them just enough so they can see clearly what needs to happen. Go to Romans 6.23. So in, in the first verses in Romans, I try to get the person to realize they're lost. In the second two verses, I try to get them to realize how much God loves them. And in the third verse, I tried to get them to realize their need to repent. Look at verse 23 of chapter 6. Verse 23 of chapter 6. It says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I tell them, of all the verses that you've heard this morning or this afternoon or this evening, this is the most important verse. This is the one you get, you got to get. you got to understand this. So I take some time and explain it to them. Wages. Wages are what you get when you work. Where do you work at? Dactronics. How much do you make? $100 an hour. Good for you. <laughs> Those are your wages. Okay? What are the wages of sin? Just ask them. What are the wages of sin? I don't know. Well, look at the verse. So they look at the verse. The wages of sin. Oh, it's death. I'm going to die. And we just read earlier that everybody's going to die. The wages of sin is death. What's the very next word? But, now that's a, that's a transition word. There's a basic underlying truth we teach in Sunday school class. Whenever the word but shows up in the Bible, a basic underlying truth is about to be shared, so pay attention. But changes the whole picture. It's like you and I going down to the Ford garage saying, hey, I'd like to buy that brand new Ford truck. And the guy, the salesman, he gets all excited. He runs in, gets a clipboard. He's going to come out and sell you a new truck. And you say, hold it, hold it, hold it. But I don't have any money. Oh, see how that changes the whole picture? Okay, the first part of the verse, the wages of sin is death, but the Lord's going to change the whole picture. And here's how he changes it. Look at the next phrase. He says, but the gift of God is eternal life. So they have to understand what a gift is. So I usually take a pen out of my pocket, and I say, this is a gift. I say, here's how it works. Can you describe this gift to me? And they say, sure. And I'll say, it's a pen. It's about five inches, six inches tall. It's got Bible Baptist Church on it. It's got a silver tip and a silver head. It's a clicker. And believe it or not, it actually writes. They've described the pen. The pen is the gift. I want to give it to them. And then I'll say, do you have it yet? And they'll say, no. How come? And they'll say, because I haven't received it. I said, okay, so if I give it to you, help me out, Larry. If I give it to them, and they get up and take it. Now what has happened? He's received it. It's his. Okay? I'll forget that illustration. 
And then I tell the person, now there's two things you can do with that pen. You can take it home. You can take it home and you can throw it in the corner and you can say, another dumb pen. I don't need another pen. That's worthless. It's useless. The preacher gave me a cruddy pen. That's rejecting the pen. Okay? On the other hand, that person can go home, tell his wife, honey, the preacher came and he gave me this pen. Look at it. It's silver and blue and there's even ink in there. This is amazing. Now they've, re they've really received the pen. And they, and they want to share it with others. And they want to talk, talk to others about it. They want to do something with it. That's receiving the gift. And when you receive the gift of salvation, it's going to change you. You're not going to say, oh, that preacher doesn't know what he's talking about. Throw the message away. You're going to say, hey, God is real. I need to be born again. I trusted him. I received the gift. And because I received the gift, I'm going to tell everybody about it. See, that, that's what a gift is. A gift is something that has to be received, which brings us to the last point. The last part of the verse here, uh, Romans 6.23, the gift is not a pen, it's eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. When does that end? Never. The first part of the verse, the wages of sin is death, but God's got a gift for you, and the gift is eternal life. When does eternal life end? It never ends. For God so loved the world, John 3.16. Everlasting life, it never ends. That's why we have security in Christ. That's why we don't doubt our salvation as we study God's Word. We begin to have confidence in the salvation He provides. And that gift is through who? Well, the last part of verse 23 says it's through the Son. The only way you get this gift is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There are no other ways to get the gift. So they look at me and they say, hmm, I'm starting to understand this. I'm starting to get it. And I said, well, I hope you get it right. Because if you don't get it right, you'll miss it. And if you miss it, you need to go back and pay attention to it because it's very, very important to you and it's important to the Lord. And so don't reject His plan of salvation. Um, really believe it. And I tell them, you know, I use illustrations with lost people because they... The illustration is like a window. It helps them see things. But I try to use an illustration here, and the illustration I use is, is one of asking them of their favorite musician. I'll say, let me illustrate this last part of the verse for you. What's your favorite group? Of, what's your favorite musician? Who would you love to see in person? And they'll say everything from Bob Dylan to Three Dog Night to Dolly Parton to Johnny. I mean, they'll give you all kinds of names. You just got to go with whatever they give you. So this guy says Johnny Cash. So I say, okay, Johnny Cash still alive? No, can't be Johnny Cash. Okay, how about uh, Dolly Parton? Is she still alive? Okay, she's still alive. You want to go see Dolly Parton? Okay, I want to go see Dolly Parton too because she's one of my favorites. I'm telling him an illustration now. I don't listen to Dolly Parton regularly. This is just an illustration. I'll say, you want to go see Dolly Parton? And I want to go see Dolly Parton. The difference is, She's going to be singing at the Swiftel Center this Saturday night. The difference between you and me is I'm a millionaire and you're not. So I go down to Lewis Drug and I say, give me all the tickets, all the tickets for the Dolly Parton concert. And I lay down a half a million dollars and I have all the tickets. So then I come back to my friend and say, okay, I got all the tickets for the concert. 
you still want to go? And they'll say, yeah. I'll say, well, you can't go because I have all the tickets. How are you going to get in? They usually say, I'll sneak in. No, I'm going to put guards by the door. You're not going to sneak in. I'll say, the only way you can get in that concert is get a ticket from me. If I don't give you a ticket as a gift, you can't get in. And they began to realize that, and they say, Jesus, they began to realize that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this earth, and with his precious blood, he bought all the tickets for you and I to get to heaven. And the only way we can get to heaven is through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the only way you can go see Dolly Parton is if I give you a ticket. And so they say, I want a ticket. So now they understand the truth. You tell them they need to realize their lost condition. You tell them to realize that God loves them. You tell them to realize their need to repent and turn to the Savior and quit serving themselves. And they need to trust Him. And the last verse I give them is John 1, verses 10 through 12. So flip over there. I've got to stop. I'm over time. The cooks are getting mad at me. But uh, can I give you one more passage here? Like a lady told me on Saturday, just one more text here and I'll be done. John, John chapter 1. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 10. These are, these are powerful verses. Verse 10 of John 1. He, that's Jesus, was in the world and the world was made by Him and the world knew Him not. They didn't, they didn't receive Him. They rejected Him. The, the, the general rule is most of the people out there are going to reject Christ. Just like this passage in John chapter 1. Look at verse 11. He, that's Jesus, came unto His own, that's the Jewish people. And what happened? His own people received Him not. They crucified Him. They said, no, we don't want Jesus. Give us Barabbas. They crucified Him. And when you reject Christ, it isn't much different. You're participating in the rejection of the Savior. But look at verse 12. It starts out with that word, but, basic underlying truth here. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You've got to receive him. Young lady, young man, you've got to realize that you're lost and you can't save yourself. You've got to realize that God loves you more than your mother loves you. You've got to realize that you need to repent, quit doing things your way, and start doing things His way. And finally, you need to receive Him. Because if you don't receive Him, all you're doing is describing Him. You need to receive Him, and you need to appreciate receiving Him. And you need to ask Him to be your Lord and Savior and friend. Would you like to do that? Now, you would think after this phenomenal message, they'd all say yes. But it doesn't work that way. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. But there are some that will say, I need to do this. And I'll say, don't ask me questions about long hair and don't ask me questions about baptism and don't ask me questions about translations. Do you want to receive Christ as your Savior? Because I'll not discuss any of those issues until you've trusted Christ first. And they'll say, well... Let's do this. And then I get the privilege to bow my head and they bow their head and I, I have a word of prayer with them. And I, I just repeat what I just say to them. I say, Lord, this person realizes they're lost and they can't save themselves. 
Lord, this person realizes that you love them more than anybody else. And if they don't like to talk, just have them nod their head. Just nod your head if you agree with that. Do you realize your need to repent? Would you like to pray and ask Jesus to save you right now? Okay, then pray these words after me. And really mean it. Because if you don't mean it, don't say it. Because if you don't mean it, it won't do any good. Really mean it. If you really mean it, God will do His part. He'll save you. If you don't mean it, then you're just echoing some words that you're going to forget in 15 minutes. And you get so you can tell after a while. You can tell whether they you really made that connect. And that's your goal, is to really make that connect. And after we've prayed, I take them back to that verse we started with, John 3, 35 and 36. You know, if you don't have the Son, the wrath of God abides on you. Do you have the Son now? Yeah, I just prayed. Well, don't trust your feelings. Trust God's Word. Because in trusting God's Word, you'll have full assurance of your salvation. And that's what I give to them. And that's what I would encourage you to do with those around you that are lost and don't know Him. Time is running out. Time is short. There's no shortage of lost people. Let's get the Gospel out. Let's be workers in the harvest. Let's be laborers in the harvest. Let's share the gospel message as often as we can. And in the spirit of the Lord, not in the flesh. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. <coughs> Would you raise your hand? I learned something that's helpful. I never thought, appreciate all those hands. God can see your heart. I get to see your hand. I appreciate that. That means that there is some benefit from the message. But maybe you're here this morning and you've never really Receive the gift of eternal life. You've never really been born again the Bible way. Well, we want to help you. And when the piano starts playing and the altar is open, if you need to make that decision, don't be bashful. Just step out and come down the front and we'll go over it again with you and tell you how to be saved. We, we don't know your heart. But if you, if you need to be born again the Bible way, don't put it off. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Father, bless during this time of invitation. Work on hearts, work on lives. Continue to draw us to yourself. Help us to be faithful in sharing the gospel message with those around us. And we'll thank you for the help that only you can give. In Christ's name, amen.